You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Masters Weekend and DraftKings has you covered. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at the $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using the promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, this is the time. It's easy to play. You pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning. Then you sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That code is THPN, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. All right, what we have lined up for today, we had a little um, break in the game recaps because we had the opportunity to talk to Theo, which uh, was pretty awesome. Man, I I was listening to the, the podcast and just like, I always love the reminiscing and this player stories. When we have guys like Rudy on and Prestige on, staging, right? Just like reliving it with the player as the fan when you watched it and they actually did the thing. It's kind of cool. It's crazy. Like I, hearing him talk about the comeback because I was uh, old enough to remember that. It was incredible. And man, incredible career. Um, like you said, Sometimes you forget until you look back. I mean, we had the same thing with Jerome Ginla when we when we did a recap with him, right? It's just like, man, we don't realize how good these guys are. Yeah, like, and it's funny you say that because today, I think today was the anniversary of Ginla scoring fifty for the first time, and it's like he scored <laughs> he scored fifty two goals in two thousand two in like the lowest scoring era of all time with one of the shittiest teams in the league. He scored 52 goals and almost 100 points. And here we are now, like, just saying to ourselves, could you imagine having a 50-goal scorer? Like, what would that be like? And all I can think about, I was just talking to these people and being like, this is what it's going to be like when we look back on, like, Johnny Gaudreau. It's like, holy shit, he had 99 points that year? Yeah. Why did everyone <laughs> shit all over this guy? It's so stupid. So, we'll, today, the plan is we'll get to the games that we haven't reached capped yet due to the the interview with theo then we'll we're gonna get on this topic of sutter where are we at i know you've been flip-flopping probably you know 
twice as much as I have, but I've been flip-flopping as well. I haven't been steadfast in the last few weeks. I'm flipping. I'm flopping. <laughs> I've definitely been flip-flopping. You've been good. I know you've been frustrated at times, but I, it's just, during our little text sessions, which is always a bit heightened because it's in the moment, yeah. I've been up and down a lot. You've been up, you've been down, you've been all around, my yeah. friend. So we'll get into where we're at now. Um, not a lot has changed, which I think is a good thing. I think it's a, you know, there's there's this old saying, I don't know who came up with it, but just like, you know, whatever, successful people or however you want to look at life. Um, when you When you make decisions, you make them quickly, but then you change them slowly. So I think that you got it. We have to give Sutter a longer window than what we've seen even though he's the team has what lost eight of their last nine games i was saying to you earlier when was the last time this team team has lost eight out of nine games the the worst stretch i can remember and maybe i'm just like because it's maybe this has happened before the worst stretch i can remember off the top of my head is the right before dion fanuf got traded like 10 game losing streak that's that's the one I can remember the most. So it's been a while. I'm sure they've I'm sure they got on a pretty gross streak because I mean, you kind of forget how bad they were for like those those years. But that's the last time I remember it being like this um, this bad. Yeah. That was rough. So even amidst all that, um, we'll explain. We'll go into detail in terms of. As of today, we're still on the center train um, and. You know, we'll explain why, and then we'll wrap up. Obviously, we're getting really close to trade deadline. There's only going to be two podcasts, um, this one, and then one more before the big day. So we'll we'll do a little um, preview for that, too, in terms of what we think this team should do versus what they probably will do. And, yeah, I guess, what, today Palmieri was traded. Did you see that? Yeah, Palmieri and Zajac to the Islanders. I like that trade. It's a good I trade. It's a good trade. It, it's I, like, I like the Islanders, dude. They're sleeper, and they're, I yeah. guess they're not a sleeper because they're they're great. But they, they got torts. I mean, dude, they just won. Did they win last night? One nothing. Isn't that a Barry Trotz? Did he not just have like the biggest boner in the world after they won one nothing? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I said torts, but I meant Trotz. I know uh, Fro- Freudian split. Trotz Freudian and torts. Yeah. Okay, so um, game one that we have to recap is the Edmonton Oilers 3-2 loss. And, hey, it's been a while. You might have forgot. Michael Stone had an absolute fucking bomb of a goal, of a shot, uh, to give us, I think it was a one nothing lead at that point, first goal of the game. And it's funny because, <laughs> obviously, if you've listened to, to the podcast, we've, we, we've talked about Michael Stone quite a lot. Um, and it's been interesting. Under Stutter so far, this is the best I've seen Nordstrom all season under Sutter. Um, Michael Stone, I mean, look, he's – where is he at right now? Is I don't know if you can pull up um, numbers for the last three games, but he's probably around hovering around that replacement level as far as defense is concerned. Um, and, look, there's no debate. Michael Stone has a great shot. It's all the other stuff um, and the defensive side of things that – usually where the critique comes in, but even he has looked better defensively, even though he hasn't been awesome. Well, listen, that shot, like, I mean, okay. He, everyone's like, Oh, he scored. It's like, 
Well, he shoots from there like 800 times a game. It's like, I mean, it's bound to go in once in a while. That was a pretty bomb-ass shot, though. You don't see goals like that on the Flames a lot. Well, and like, honestly. I got to say that was pretty sweet. And that was refreshing as hell because, like you say, you don't see goals like that in the Flames. The guy, right, busted off the wall to the center of the ice and dropped down, right, like two or three feet to get even closer and timed it all like synchronistically with his wind up and he just fucking hammered unloaded. So hell of a goal, Michael stone, hell of a goal, but you still suck at defense. And I hope he listen. I don't know why the team is so hell bent on never playing Shillington and like, okay, I can understand Valimaki comes out for a couple games, you know, maybe want to teach him a few things, but like, I just don't understand why you don't put Shillington in there. I just, I just don't get it. Like what's the point of having a guy who's 31 come in and play those minutes. I just don't understand. I don't understand unless it's just pure message sending. You have to earn your ice time. That's it. But then I think about it. It's like, well, what is Oliver Shillington not done to earn his lifetime? So it's, it's less about Michael Stone and more about like, where's Shillington? I want to see this guy. So good goal. Sh- we'll get into the, the practice lines with Shillington was practicing with Mark Giordano today on the top unit with Rasmus Anderson taking Tanev's position in practice. So, and people are saying, yeah, it's a placeholder. It's a placeholder. But if it's, if it's a placeholder, why don't they leave Gio and Ras together? Um, and then, right. Just have him with, no. Shillington Hannafin spot. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, and we'll get into this today too. I'm not really worried about player personnel deployment. I think there is a method to Sutter's madness that we've seen. The other nice refreshing thing about Stone has been his physicality. And sometimes this we get into the realm of, okay, it's a little overrated at times. But where it's not ever overrated for me is when you're in your own end and there's a cycle happening, the best way to break the cycle if you're on defense from the opposing team is to lay out a body, right? You don't even have to drop the guy. As soon as you make body contact, it breaks the cycle. So if they're, if you're ever getting pressured or hemmed in, like remember the days of Regeer, man? Fuck. Like there's something to be said about energy and momentum from – body checks so that's the other refreshing thing too with stone now obviously it's his positional play is his biggest weakness i'm not sure if you've been tracking his actual numbers or not yeah like i mean again he was good in that first game like and by by good i mean he wasn't terrible in his own zone but i mean he was was he on the ice for in the next game i think he was on the ice for three goals I definitely know he was on the ice for two, five and five goals. And then the Leafs, you know, smoked him pretty good the other night. I think he was on for two of those goals. So yeah, like again, I don't mind spot playing him, but he shouldn't be a regular in the lineup every night. I'm not going to give him an incredibly hard time because like his expected goals percentage was pretty damn good for a guy who hasn't played forever. And a guy who is not particularly great at defense. So for for the time he's been in, this is probably the best he's been <laughs> as a flame. 
in like four years. Like, honestly, like I'm not even kidding. Right. Yeah. Well, small sample size, but yeah, but like probably the best, what has he played? Four games? Probably the best four games Mike Stone has played as a flame. Just because he hasn't necessarily been noticeably awful on his own end, right? So, listen, I crush the guy all the time. I would way rather see Shillington in. Um, but, I mean, Sutter said it. He was like, the guy's been busting his balls, and he got a chance, and he played okay. So Yeah. And, and one of the narratives that we're going to keep bringing up today in terms of you know where we're at with Sutter and what we think Sutter's doing because from the outside perspective, without much digging, right, it really looks like Sutter is just doing the same thing that we've seen with Ward, which is sticking with doesn't work, doing all the wrong things, yada, yada, yada. Now, I've said this before where when Ward does it, I think it's different. There's something else going on than when Sutter does something. Um, I just feel like playing these guys like Stone, right, or these other players right now, like you mentioned, is there's something more to it, right? He's setting he's setting a bar in terms of work ethic and what you need, how hard you need to compete on a nightly basis. So that's a theme we'll continue to, to touch on as we go along here. Yeah. Um, especially especially bring up some of his post game comments, but yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Well, do you, do you want to get into that comment right now? Like, sure. I mean, Pike asked him. I think a couple of weeks ago, he was like. Why are Dubé and Valimaki not playing? It's like they haven't been good enough. Okay is not okay. Yeah. Okay is not okay. And then, so this is after the the second, or sorry, the first Leafs game um, of the two set we just played. Again, somebody's asking, because Dubé came back in, but no Valimaki yet. And so there's a question what Valimaki and Sutter says, well, it's, you know, skating, puck play, seeing the game, all those areas have to improve. Um, but the big thing he said after that was the thing with a lot of these players is okay has kind of been the ben- benchmark and we need them to go above. Okay. So whew, with everything that's happening with all the player player personnel decisions, as far as, you know, lines go, as far as who's in, who's out and just, he's been sticking with it pretty hardcore, right. To your infuriation, to everybody's infuriation. We'll get to that too especially with Richie with, with Johnny and Monty, which is now looks like it's going to change. But um, with sticking with, with all this, I just feel like the method to his madness is he's starting to, to, you know, get the message across these guys of what's going to be required of them moving forward. And he's even, I mean, he's mentioned it a few times, right. In terms of, um, in the past, he said, he said that this, this club doesn't seem like they've set pretty good goals for themselves as far as a, a season after, um, the last, the last game against the Leafs, when you saw the line changes post game, right. He was asked about Monty and Johnny and, you know, he just says, look, as far as the team was concerned, Right, it came down to the to the ability to play the last nine to ten minutes with the Leafs on the back to back, the second half, and the team just didn't have the ability to stick with it. He said that this team has a lot of work to do in terms of preparing for a full schedule. And when he was asked about Monty and Johnny, and you know splitting them up, basically he said Johnny's had some spirit to his game in the last few games, which he has, man. He's had jump. 
but he said that Sean seemed to wear down as the game went on. And I don't know, we were just talking about this. I just feel like maybe the reason he's had a Richie on there for so long is just to see what he really has in Sean Monan and Johnny Gaudreau. How can these guys play on their own? How can they play with a guy like Richie? Can they still play drive without another winger? Um, you know, if you're looking at LA and it's Kopitar, let's say maybe he's playing on the line with whatever Toffoli or whoever it is, whoever their winger is, can they still play drive? Like I'm sure Kopitar was still able to manage to put up points regardless of who his wingers were, but he's probably seeing, you know, this is exposing all the weaknesses he has across the, you know, the club as well as the individual players. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you've heard him say multiple times, we don't have an elite scorer on this team. Um, and I mean, Francis even pushed him on that the other day, or no, it was Leslie and said, well, Monaghan scored 30 goals. Drew had 99 points and Joe was like, well, what do they have this year? Yep. So they have last year. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to, I agree with you. That's a really good take. He's kind of trying to figure out what, what he's got see what those guys can do much the frustration of many people. But, and I mean, speaking of Johnny being like, I thought he's been skating and doing things. Yeah, he's, he's looked like Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah. And in that Oilers game, uh, the three, two loss, he looked like Johnny Gaudreau for sure. Yeah. And he even had a bit of like, he, he was the, he got into yes. it a bit. He had some piss into his piss and vinegar in his game. Eh? You notice it that? It was funny though, was it Chris Russell on the side of the Yeah, net? fuck you, Chris Russell, you loser. He goes and cross checks him after the whistle, and then Chris Russell turns around and then Johnny's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. If only he had, you know, if only he was taller and bigger, man. Like no. fuck. He can't he can't go and just muck shit up because he's well and he can't do it like Theo used to do, just like literally kill a guy, he'd get kicked out. Yeah, just slash him right in the face. Eh? Just like kill him. Mon- Monty Pony seems to have a little bit of that. Yeah, I know man. that's true. But I mean, so, good. I I love. I love. I thought that that Edmonton game was again they lost, but every time we drove was on the ice, he was buzzing. Yeah, the other big highlight for that for me was Kachuk coming out of the box, the box, and absolutely undressing Mike Smith in the breakaway. Listen, just sorry. I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but I just wanted to give Mike Stone props a little bit more too. Is like on a that's what was frustrating me all night with Mike Goddamn Smith. Is like, why aren't they just shooting on Smith? Like that's how you yeah. score on Mike Smith. You do what Stone did. You just yep. laser it because he plays so deep in his net. You shoot high at him through yep. a screen. You're gonna score most of the time. Yeah, if if seriously, if that's your game plan, if you start bomb, laying bombs where, where Stone let it go on Smith, you're getting a lot of goals. And that Chucky goal is probably the nicest goal we've seen from him, from him, or in general in a long time. That was sick. And that penalty call they called on him was bullshit. I was so fired up when he scored that goal. I haven't been that fired up in a while with all the shit that been going on. That was a beauty and a great. Like again, you. People kind of forget how, because we haven't seen it a lot this year, like how skilled this guy is. Which guy, Matthew Kachuk? Yeah. Yep. Great hands, oh. great finish. Well, he hasn't he hasn't really finished the way he has, so it was good to see him do that. Right? It was a beauty. It was a beauty. Deked Mike right out of his 
goddamn pants. Which like I that was a see. that was a no doubter, eh? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Even from the second he got it, he gets that pass, knocks it down right of the air. Yeah, dude. How about that play in and of itself, knocking that down of the air, like with no hesitation. Beautiful. So that game, right? It's two two late. Then I mean, we all know the story from there. It's the same story every time. McDavid just wins the game by itself. Like you were shitting on Markstrom, people were shitting on Markstrom. That goal to me, that's Geo's fault. Yeah. Right. It's like if you look at the replay, look at the face off. You got Connor McDavid. How long? How many times have we talked about this? You can't leave him alone. You gotta know who's anywhere. on the ice. Like this guy, you can't give him any space. Because when he gets space, it's either in the back of the net or it's close to it. So you got Geo lined up, right? That's his guy. Even though they're not like, you know, there's guys in between them. Geo needs to know that he's going to Connor McDavid right off. Like, if you're Geo, you're like you're not unless you see the puck coming back towards the net, then you're gonna skate into it and like get the puck. But yeah, and and you know what? Like I knew Connor was gonna shoot that puck faster than everyone expected too. Like you could tell, right? You just could totally tell he was good. He he's so smart, and like Geo is like. So, in as much as I think Markstrom should have had it, just because like, in my mind, you can't be bested by Mike Smith, and Mike Smith had already made a huge save on Sean Monahan in the second period, like a, a a chance for Monahan that is nine times out of ten a goal. Mike Smith makes a huge save. So that's where I was like, ah, God, like we just need a, we needed a big save from Markstrom and we didn't get it. So that was where my frustration was. It was less about like Markstrom sucks and more like you needed a big save at some point because the goal at the other end made one. But I mean, again, best player in the world. And I mean, here's the thing, like he's at the hash marks. Yeah. And he's shooting. It looked like it was through traffic. Through Markstrom, feet, yeah. Markstrom is trying to look for it. Doesn't really have a lot of time to set. It's Conor McDavid. I mean, yeah. Sure, they, they kind of squeak through him, and you're like, yeah, he probably should have had it. But if Geo has coverage on him, he doesn't even get a shot off. So, yeah, that game as a whole, we outplayed him. Yeah, I mean, a pretty good game, but it was just too much like the last time they lost the Oilers. It was just they, they didn't have that kill. They didn't press, and just a few mental mistakes and a few defensive breakdowns cost you. Yeah, Monty and Chucky were your, your winners for the expected goals for that game, so – they were sniffing around in that. Yeah, Monaghan had that chance, that power play chance, like wide open in the slot. Smith did his stupid little dumb, flailing, acrobatic, pure luck save. Yeah, Derek Wills was probably losing his mind, eh? <laughs> you know he was. So the the main thing is right. You lose another game, and like we always bring this up when you're winning. Things are out of context when you're losing. Things are out of context, right? Like, if, say, if you lose that game in the midst of you know, f- you know, four game winning streak, does anybody even care? It's just like, okay, well, we were the better team, but they have McDavid and he got the game winning goal. Sure, you want to do things a couple things differently, but let's move on. That was a good game, right? But the fact that you know you've just lost five in a row, and Jacob Markstrom looks like a shell of himself compared to what we've seen in the regular season. And your season's already a bust. Um, and, you know, there were signs of life after Sutter comes in, but nothing since. And it's just like the world seems like it's falling apart. Then, no, that game's not okay to lose, right? Yeah. 
Um, so it, it's just funny how it goes, right? But that's the joy. <laughs> Maybe it's not the joy of being a fan, but that's that's what you get when you're a fan. You ride the team's highs and lows, right? Well, it's like we're past the point of moral victories at this point, right? Yeah. So I know um, even if there are even if in reality there are some. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same on Instagram, it's definitely this way on Twitter. The fan base is probably the best way to describe it, it's just confused, right? Um, you got people on both sides of the fence. People are still holding strong. Um, they're gonna stay patient with Sutter, right? I did a poll. Um, and I think it was about 600 people just in terms of how do you grade Sutter so far, um, you know, based on the small sample size we've seen. And the, um, the, the majority of people are, are not pinning this under Sutter, this losing streak, the way this team is struggling currently. And um, uh, with a lot of the comments and responses, it just the overall consensus kind of felt like, this guy needs more time. He walked into a mess, which we all know is true. Um, and it not necessarily is this losing streak due to him, but more so what he inherited. And I think the point that we've been making is that also a big part of this losing streak is that he's in no rush to change things and get the, get band-aid wins. He wants to know what he has. So in a sense, he's totally fine with losing. I mean, and <laughs> if you watch his post-game interviews it's just like dude you're in the midst of losing seven out of eight games and he, like, he doesn't even care have you noticed that it's like he's it's like irrelevant yeah so yeah so it seems like right there's a split happening in terms of where you at right because a lot of people probably you know weren't on board with the setter hiring when it happened i know it took us a few hours to really process to get behind it and here obviously hear what you had to say um but that's been one of the one of the takes is that Listen, when Daryl Sutter was hired, and this was Flash putting this up here, this is a good tweet. Um, when he was hired, right, this is what he had to say. The shot rates, location of your shots, you have to prioritize, you have to have good shots, that matters. He said he was going to work with players to get them what they need to succeed. I mean, if you look at Johnny Gaudreau's situation, how can that you know be playing out? And one thing is stress is playing hockey, playing faster hockey. And so you know, what Flash is saying is like, these are three main things that we're all really behind. Like, yeah, fuck, that sounds good. Give it to us now. We haven't necessarily seen that pan out. And so I think it is, it's causing a lot of, you know, confusion essentially. And I don't know. I mean, it's still up in the air, right? Obviously there needs to be a big turnaround and a lot of positive, you know, changes in the right direction. But as we've been saying, sometimes, right, it's the darkest before the dawn. Yeah, and I know, like we were talking about earlier, I've definitely been flip-flopping, like not even just like in my public stance when we come on this show or what I post or whatever, just being, but definitely in like just texting people being like out of frustration, like, God, they should have never hired him. Or why is he doing this? Why is Richie still on this that stupid line? Just like out of frustration. Um, and I think there is that in, in the fan base where there's some people who, like you said, are confused because what they heard and what they got excited about is not matching up with what they're seeing on the ice. Um, there's some people who maybe I think are prematurely jumping the, this is never going to work f- focusing on things like the dump and chase and, you know, the insistence on putting with Richie with, with Goudreau way too much. Um, so, I mean, if you look at the numbers, which is always where I find my solace 
what stands out to me the most is that the Flames have improved defensively in terms of allowing scoring chances, but they've not been getting any goaltending. Since Daryl Sutter took over, they have the second worst save percentage, five on five in the league. Only next to the Flyers. The Flyers, the only team who have the worst save, a worse five on five save percentage since March 11th. So, like, there you go. You you get some goaltending. You're pro, and you get a bit of shooting luck. You're probably not loot. Like, this is way worse than it seems. I think, right? That's yeah. what I keep telling myself. There is no way these guys are this bad. There's no way. Over an 82-game season, these guys are in the conversation with Buffalo and Detroit and Ottawa, right? Well, I mean, we'll get to the the trade deadline, but no. Like, yeah, like, don't even like, don't even think about like Kayla. Yeah, draft position, blah blah blah. There is no way these guys are this bad. I don't. And and, and the reason why, right? Brad, you're living, and this seems to be you know, what what most people are starting to, to conclude is that Johnny Gaudreau is not going anywhere this season. So I think Brad truly is, is, is in the same perspective in terms of, and I'm probably right, right up there with where, where Daryl's at. And we've said this, it's just like the organization by bringing in Daryl Sutter has already committed to next season. So why, like, and look, I mean, yes, there is an argument of they should just blow it up now, yeah. right? There's definitely an argument, but that's just one side of the argument. It's not 100% correct, right? Especially if you're looking at the current situation of what you have and, you know, you, you know all the stuff that goes on behind closed doors in terms of conversations with players, you know, the, you know, the vision that the organization has, and they probably are in the same place. They're like, there's no way we're this bad. I think the thing that has brought us to this point, we've talked about this as well, is like the lack of making your team better from gradually living over the last two, three years and having an amateur coach and for the, for the past one and a half years. The combination of those two things the NHL man is so competitive; it doesn't take long. So that's why you're looking at what Daryl is doing, even though he's well. Because how many games was has Richie been with Johnny and Monty? It's been like ten now, right? It's way too many. So when you're looking at that, it's so easy to be like, "Kate, this is exactly what Ward did. Let's stick with what doesn't work over and over and over again as we continue to lose." Like, it's so painful. I don't know. Losing's not even as painful anymore, even though it's still really painful. But, like, it sucks getting used to losing. It really does. But if you're looking at, you know, something as blaringly obvious as as putting Richie with Johnny and Monty again, again. Oh, they didn't score again? I mean, you were posting things after the game, right? After 11 games together. They've had zero goals, five on five. The scoring chances for is less, way under average in yeah. terms of, of winning the, the battle of who they're playing against, 46.48. Their core C4 is 46.53. This is your most offensively gifted uh, forward since Jerome McGinley. 
on a line that has terrible Corsi for, terrible uh, scoring chances for, expected goals for. I mean, and then you posted this thing too, like Johnny Gaudreau with Sean Monahan, free Gaudreau. Why don't you go through that? Well, yeah, if you just look at their, if you look at their isolated impacts, which you can just take stats and a variety of sites do this, use some techniques to uh, essentially isolate a, a player's impact. Like Gaudreau has been good this year. He's been good at creating scoring chances. He's been good defensively. And he's actually been great in a lot of categories as well. Like 90th percentile in, in some of these categories in terms of expected goals for in the 85th percentile. And then you look at Sean Monaghan's isolated impact and he's been terrible. Complete opposite. So, and I mean that, that <laughs> the pass Gaudreau makes the, the Monaghan thing is making the rounds on Twitter. And I think it's a perfect example is like Johnny makes a sweet feed to Monaghan right in the slot the other night. Is that against the Leafs? Yeah, against the Leafs. Monahan puts it into like row 10. That sums up the season for Johnny Gaudreau. Yep. <laughs> there was another play against the Leafs. Um, <laughs> Brett Ritchie, it's a three on two. Ritchie's carrying the puck. And dumps he just in. goes to the, the, the left wing boards and dumps it in and goes for a change. <laughs> <laughs> I literally almost started laughing. Yeah, it was so bad. bad. So, like, Johnny's doing what he needs to do. And you know what? Like, I think Daryl knows that. Like, I, I, and I'm, I'm just trying to parse out, like, because again, I get the frustrated because I'm frustrated as shit every time I see him out there with Brett Ritchie, right? Like, I'm so frustrated. But then remind yourself would the Flames suddenly be a playoff team if, Josh Levo is playing with Gaudreau instead of Brett Ritchie. Like, is that the only thing holding this team back? That's it. They'd no. be a juggernaut if not for Johnny Gaudreau having some bad line mates. No. no. It's, not, it's not the individual play, right? And that's what Sutter's been hammering home. Is like we had a this is there's way more issues going on on a team-wide basis. And you're seeing it again, right? Like, why did they lose these last three games? Was it because Brett Ritchie was playing with Johnny Gaudreau? Maybe a small part of it, but alternatively, look at the defensive breakdowns. Like we just talked about with Geo on Connor McDavid. What are you doing? Like the, the Austin Matthews goal where William Nylander backs off both defenders and they get all crisscross. I think Bennett goes to the wrong guy. Nordstrom goes to the wrong guy. And you leave Austin Matthews, probably the best player in the league outside of McDavid and the most dangerous shooter, you leave him so wide open he had how many hours did he have to snipe that puck like 10 minutes you look at all these issues that are still issues they still can't break out of their own zone very well they're still having trouble in the neutral zone they're still having trouble in their own zone they're still getting hemmed in every single night i would say let's focus more on those issues than just like single-mindedly just blinding in on this one thing that is yeah. frustrating as shit, but there's way bigger issues going on and there's way bigger issues that Sutter's worried about. Yeah. And to come back to like, right, the confusion thing and, you know, the separation of what fence, you know, a lot of people are deciding to, to sit on currently. I'll just throw out another, like another theory, right? Which is, you know, what I mentioned earlier is that's like, 
maybe Sutter and it, maybe he's not this smart, right? But maybe, maybe he is, right? And like we just talked about, he's not focused on the smaller things. He's focused on the bigger things and, and playing the long-term gain, right? They didn't sign him to, to one season contract this season, right? It's three. So he knows that probably the window is basically next season, right? If you look at the rest of the contracts. Um, but potentially, right, he's, he is. He wants to know what he has in Sean Monaghan. And he, so he specifically puts a junk winger on, on one side of the wing, right? Because he knows that Brett Ritchie, what you're going to get with Brett Ritchie is just straight up simplified hockey. You, all you're getting is north, south, right? Pucks in deep, bang the body. That's it. You're not really getting much playmaking ability. You're not getting high-end skill. You're not really getting a great finish. You're not really getting much in terms of top six caliber. But maybe he's like, hey, I want to see what Sean, Mo- a guy like Sean Monahan can do. I want to see what a guy like Johnny Gaudreau can do if it's just the two of them or if, if they've got to do, if they've got to make stuff up, make stuff happen on their own. So that's one hypothesis that I'd like to think Daryl Sutter is that smart. He might not be, I don't know, but you know, what we keep saying is he's obviously playing the long game. He's, he's got the bigger picture in mind and I just think it's way too early. I, I'm basically for the most part, giving him carte blanche till, halfway through next season before um, I really start, you know, looking really heavily into any one thing. Yeah. And like, listen, where I'm kind of at is like, okay, we can complain about this all we want, but the reality is he's here for the next three years. He's not going anywhere. So the best thing to do is like, we can analyze what he's doing. Like again, right. Like we can play all we want. We can go on Twitter and be like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's won two Stanley Cups. He's been successful before. And what else? Like, we don't have an option at this point. It's not like that is because that's what I kind of keep seeing the heel turn of people like, oh, this was a mistake. This is a mistake. We can't, we're not going to be, we're not going to be able to make it work with Daryl Sutter, right? I don't know. That's not the analysis I'm interested in anymore. I'm interested in what he's doing to make this team better. And again, like I get caught up in the frustration. Absolutely. But I think that's how we should be attacking this and looking at this is Kate. What's Daryl actually doing? What's going on? You know, what adjustments is he, are, is he making? How's he, how does he want the team to play? Are they doing that? Are they executing that? What are the bigger issues? Cause I mean, for all the binary focus on Gaudreau with uh, Brett Ritchie, like nobody's talking about how, the Lindholm Kachuk unit has been pretty much ineffective since what the first five games of the season. They've been very good at all. Right. Like how many, like has Kachuk is Kachuk like for all the frustration with Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, he's playing with line mates that don't suit him. What about Kachuk? He hasn't been very good this year. You know, like the Lindholm Dubé Kachuk line is the wor- is one of the worst on the team in terms of their expected goals percentage this season. They're under 50%, 47.7 at 5 on 5. That yeah. That trio. 
And yes, we are recording this. Then we know the new lines. We will get to those. Yeah, we'll get to those. But I'm just saying it's like the Gaudreau with Richie thing. And again, I'm not saying I'm not part of this conversation. I certainly have been. And I've certainly been frustrated as shit. But it's not the sole issue with this team. If it is the sole issue with this team, then like, wow, that's an easy fix, right? So I just think people are like grabbing onto this. It's twofold. They're grabbing onto that and they're grabbing onto the dump and chase thing and saying this was a mistake hire or they're freaking out. If the only thing holding your team back from being absolute trash to being a playoff team is putting Johnny Gaudreau off breast Richie's wing, like I don't think you're analyzing the entire situation properly, right? Totally. <laughs> now, and even those two games against the Leafs, you lose them both. I mean, it's the best team in the division. It's the best competition in the division. I mean, the Oilers are dangerous. The Jets can be dangerous. But as far as, you know, the, the best team, the best competition in the division, it's definitely the Leafs. Um, and we, we were just talking about this. It's not even like you played that bad. Yeah, like, I mean, last, or last night was last night on Monday. They played fine until they got into some, but again, some defensive problems and some penalty trouble. I think you played okay in both of those games, to be perfectly honest. I, I wasn't like pulling my hair out watching those games, like, holy shit, they sucked. Yeah. Even though whenever they're losing now, it's just really hard to watch. Yeah, it's true. But uh, so the game won against the least 4 2 loss. Nordstrom gets his first goal as a flame. He's been great. Yeah, he like when he, when he goes into four check, I'm like, okay, hey, we're getting the puck back. Like this guy, and and it's funny, right? It's guys like these under Sutter's system that can be effective, right? Nordstrom can now he can be effective. We'll see if he can keep it up. But as long as he's four checking heavy, laying out bodies, and retrieving the puck, like the fourth line has been really good. Oh, no doubt, that's been definitely good. And then Monty, no pro- I've had no problem with Nordstrom. If he's going to be in there and be putting up like above almost 60% expected goals for it, put him in the lineup. And then Mangiapati, our new best player. Ryan Pike posted this after the, the series with the Leafs. Andrew Mangiapati's nine 5v5 goals for the Flames is three more than any other player 5v5. His 16 primary 5v5 assists is four more than any, than any other player. This guy leads the team by a large margin in points 5v5. Dude, he has been again, you everyone knows I love this guy. That's what I've been saying for we, we've been saying this. How long have we been doing this show? It feels like ever well, since we've been doing this show, we've been being like, man, and Manjapani is awesome. And I'll give you props because I mean you saw this before it came to fruition, right? I would, I would, I still had a question mark around this guy because, yes, you could argue all the the underlings were there, but the the counting stats weren't right, and now they are. This guy has been our most last year. Lindholm was our most uh, consistent player. This year, it's for sure Mangiapane. I would even argue Manjapani was last year. Like he was so good last year. Dude is a beast. So you actually have a two, one lead in the first game against the Leafs. And I mean, like you lose it late. You blew it. You blew it. So, 
Um, right. That's the game afterwards where Sutter says the thing with a lot of these players, the team as a whole is what he's speaking to. Okay. Has been the benchmark. And, you know, he, he brings it up when he's talking about Val Mackey. And it just makes me think of like, okay, if you're Val Mackey, this is, and, and we've harped on this a lot on this podcast when we had to, you know, suffer under Ward for so long was the lack of actual coaching happening. Like to me, this is coaching because. Exactly. And I was just going to say, like, I know you're, but like, again, you want to, you want to look at like Gaudreau with Richie all you want. But like when you hear stuff like this, it's like, yeah. So you're, he's coaching these guys. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And a guy like Valamaki, you think Jeff Ward was going to be able to be a guy that could take him to another level unless Valamaki can do it himself. I mean, he's not going to have a coach to thank for going to the next level. If it's under Jeff Ward, um, Daryl Sutter. Now, you know, there's going to be people who argue this on both sides, right? Because, you know, some people will say this is probably hurting Val Mackey more than it's helping him. And we just don't know. All I know is that he's getting coaching. I don't know if it'll be effective or not. I think it will. I don't know it will. But we're gonna, time is going to tell. And we don't have to wait long. We're going to know, you know, by next season. Um, and that was the other thing, too, he mentioned. is like it's hard to address these things in the middle of a season. Yeah, totally. Um, somebody even said on Twitter, it's like, it's going to be, it'll be really beneficial for, for Sutter to be able to have a training camp. Right. Oh shit. So there's all these little things, but they're all important. We got to look at them all. Right. Um, again, Mangiapani in game three, he scores you a goal. Another one. Um, you're down two one going into the third and it just looks like nothing's changed more of the same. And then Sutter starts the third with brand new lines. Here it is. Finally, some change. And they kind of, they were like, they were a little, Mickey was mixing, especially the bottom six around a little bit. Yeah. But for the most part, it was Lindholm centering Johnny and Mangiapani on the top line. Then it was Monahan centering Dubé and Kachuk. Then Backlund and Ryan, they kind of switched, but Backlund with Nordstrom Bennett and Ryan with Lucic and Richie. And it's interesting, right? Because how much, I don't know, man. Like when you look at line blending, putting the lines in a blender, it's definitely a tactic for in-game adjustments. And what we've seen under the past two coaches with Ward and Peters is that you can definitely overdo it, right? There's a sweet spot, and Versteeg alluded to Quinville being really good at this. There's a sweet spot where you do it, you don't overdo it, and you don't underdo it, where you can make it work for you. Um, I just feel like probably Sutter waited this long because he wanted to know what he had, right? He wanted to, you know, he wanted to have that big sample size in terms of what do I have with each individual here. So, I don't know. You definitely saw a response energetically from the team. Backlund ties it up 2-2. We actually go ahead. Short, no, we tie it up or do we go ahead? We did not go ahead, but we tied it up right away. We tied it up shorthanded. Yep. 
Beautiful how, goal. How I, again? Okay, I just want to one. say, like, I was so pumped up with that goal, and I know everybody's cheering for losses and cheering for tanking. It's not something I can do. I cannot do it. When I'm watching that game and Michael Backlund scores that shorthanded goal, I am fucking pumped. I am Dude. jacked up, even though we have zero chance to make it to the playoffs and losing only helps us. If you, honest to God, don't get pumped up by that goal and want this team to tank in your heart, like I'm not saying like logically, like, yeah, the best thing to do is tank, but in your heart, want them to lose games, you need to check yourself, bud. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> beautiful goal you knew the Leafs were gonna score on the goddamn power Dude, play right away i texted though. you i texted you I should probably screenshot and tweet it for proof <laughs> as soon as we scored the first thing i texted was watch they're gonna score on the power play yeah you, you knew hey and, and like interesting call by sheldon keith calling a timeout i don't think i've ever seen a timeout call no that. me either yeah that was he's he's a he's a savvy guy but boy did that work they score on the power play and they get another one right after it's like no, I think we'll just wheel this back into our into our hands here. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. The Leafs are good. If you're looking at playoffs, playoffs, like, do do the Leafs scare you the most if you had to, like, obviously we're not facing anybody, but, or would it be Edmonton or would it be Winnipeg? I mean, Edmonton, just because of the Mike Smith factor, and I know he's been lights out this year, but it's just like, it's, it's always going to be a factor. Dude, I can't wait to see him in the playoffs. I yeah. know his fact. I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> and I know everybody be like, oh, but he was so good in 1819. It's like, well, was he? I mean <laughs> he was, but was he? But he was, but was he? He was but, good, but he wasn't as like godlike as everyone says. Um, like if you put Dave Riddick in those games, you still only win one. But I mean, like that, yeah, the Leafs scare me the most because like what do they have as a weakness? Like they don't have any weaknesses. They're they can score at will. They finally got Jack Campbell as a legit number one goalie. Like their def their defense is great. Like they scare the shit out of me. Like that's the again. Anytime you're playing McDavid and Drysaddle, you're gonna be in tough. But again, the Mike Smith factor is just always gonna trump me for like who's more scary. Yeah. Even when he's playing well, I don't even think he's that good. Even when he's playing well, there's always the possibility that he's going exactly. to fucking wander out of his crease, letting a bad goal. It's like the chance is always, always there with Mike Smith for disaster. Oh. Disaster is like one inch away. Mike oh. Smith is like on a tightrope at all times. Yes, that's why it's fun watching when he's, you know, obviously not waiting all the time. It's funny he has less... Mike Smith has what three losses was it all season? Three losses, one overtime loss. They're posting this as we're playing them. Meanwhile, Markstrom has just lost five straight. It's like Markstrom is in the middle of losing more games than Mike Smith has all season long. And how frustrating it, it, when we're you know looking at Richie still on that line is it when you're playing teams like Toronto and. Montreal and you're getting scored on every single game by Jason Spezza, yeah. Wayne Simmons, Corey Perry, like all these, like, you know, guys old, who you could have signed instead of Brett Ritchie and for, Simone. That's the equivalency of, you know, the dollar value you could have got not to say that they would have came to Calgary, 
but still, like Dubis has done a good job. It's obviously those guys, maybe in the third, not so much yet. Wait till the playoffs. But Spets has been great this regular season. So is Simmons. Awesome. So is Corey Perry. So we got Brett Ritchie. I mean, there's a little comparative analysis again of the general managers, right? Three years, seven years. You look at how he's you look at how Dubis has addressed the least biggest quote unquote weakness on D. I mean, in the last two years, he has rebuilt his top three, bringing in Muzzin and Brody and Justin Hole. Like, <laughs> you look at how Tree Living's gone about reconstructing the top six. Here's how well that's going. We've had to convert our only right winger to a centerman because our GM can't go out and do his job. Anyways, so it's after after that game against the Leafs, the second game, that Sutter says, "Look, they have the inability to play the last eight nine minutes. It was it was a back to back game, but it they couldn't do it. This team has a lot of work to do in in terms of preparing for a full schedule, and specifically, Sean Monahan wore down as the game went on." Right. And it has that not, he articulated something that has been a problem with this team for the past year and a half. They blow well, games I thought, late. I thought it was all about uh, hating to lose, though. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> They're not, they don't care enough. Yeah. Don't even say those words or Jeff Ward will like appear. Right. It's like Beetlejuice for Jeff Ward. Right. But I mean, like, isn't that true? Hey, like, hey, hate to lose, hate to lose, hate, hate to lose. lose. <gasps> it's Jeff Ward. He's here to put, to put music back into practice. But I mean, it's true, right? Like, again, like, that's why I'm trying to zoom out a bit instead of being hyper-focused on, like, this dinosaur has big boy Brett Ritchie playing with our best offensive talent. What a loser. This was a mistake. Zoom out a bit. Listen to what he's saying after the game, right? Articulating things that have long been a problem with his team that he's trying to fix. How long, well, how long has this been a problem where they either blow a lead late or they, they get behind and everybody will, oh, they don't respond well to adversity. No, maybe they're just fucking out of shape and the coaches never really showed them how to manage a game. They don't know how to play in tight games. Yep. I, don't, I think it has dick all with like, oh, they panic when it's things, you know, don't go their way. They just don't know how. Well, and with- don't know how to respond to that. With Sutter not being afraid to lose, like maybe this speaks to just, you know, the wisdom of how long he's been around. With him not being afraid to lose, now he knows what he has. Like, so there's other coaches, right? If, if, you're, if you lose four straight or you're in, you know, you're in a, a four-game losing slump, you lost four out of five, and you're not winning. Like, we've seen it so many times with Bill Pierce and Jeff Ward. like the line blender comes out. Yeah. Right. And then maybe that sparks you. I mean, that's what we're talking about, talking about with these band-aid wins. Right. But it's not going to work long-term, but now he knows exactly what he has. Like he knows the problem's not with Johnny Gaudreau on that line. It's with Sean Monaghan and not to say that he doesn't belong in the top six. Maybe he doesn't, but now he knows what he needs to do differently. And we're starting to see some changes now with the Lions. Yeah, totally. And I mean, even his comments about like Gaudreau, like he was buzzing and had some spirit to his game. Like, again, he knows for everybody saying like Daryl Sutter is 
screwing Johnny Gaudreau or there's a disconnect. Like, I don't know if there is because most of what I've heard from Daryl and seen from Daryl and how he's played Johnny Gaudreau, like, I mean, it's been bang on. He, he, I think if there's anybody who I'm curious about, it's Matthew Kachuk because his ice time has been wonky and he hasn't been great. You know, so like for everybody, like laser focusing on like, oh, this Gaudreau Sutter thing isn't going to work. I don't know if I agree. He hasn't been scoring for sure. He hasn't been putting up points, which is what he's supposed to do. But again, if this is going to be a long-term solution, you know, there's yeah. going to be some shit they're going to have to work through and deal with and figure out. It's probably going to suck ass for a while, but hopefully that leads to results. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. The fact that he says that about Johnny Gaudreau, because that's what I've been seeing. Johnny Gaudreau has jump right now. I mean, Sutter called, he's playing with spirit. But I'm like his assessment to me of the individual players and the team as a whole has been really accurate. Yeah, totally. Now, obviously, he hasn't turn this team into what he said he was, he was going to yet, but it's, it's pretty early and we don't know. We're not in behind closed doors, right? We don't know what that process looks like. And we don't know the nuances of that process and how, how long it will take, but we do know that he's playing the long game. He's not trying to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he doesn't look at him after loss. He doesn't care. He's not looking at wins and losses. He's looking at other shit. Oh, well, he's got a quote. I think it was in his LA. It's like, it's not whether you win or lose. It's when you're wi- whether you're winning or losing, right? It's like, what does the process look behind it? And again, like, would you rather have won those two games in Toronto that we did earlier in the year where we got absolutely shit face, shit can, shit face. I don't know why I said shit face. Um, absolutely curb stomped for 125 minutes, just destroyed by the Leafs, but you hung on by the skin of your teeth and David Riddick put on a clinic and you got some points. And then your, your head coach at the time tells you the season's turned around. Would you rather have that or (laughs) play a couple games where you didn't play great, but there were some good things and your coach comes out and assesses the situation perfectly. You guys can't I mean, play a full 60 minutes. They need to learn how to play. Like, right? Like, yeah. I would much rather have the latter. And there's three out of those last eight games that you definitely deserve to win. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, if you if you replay those the same way, like, you're winning more games. And like you said, goaltending. Goaltending's been sh- a problem. Goaltending and shooting percentage, the, you know, two of the categories that doesn't come down to coaching have been really bad. If Sean Monahan scores that goal, if Sean Monahan <laughs> keeps it in the rink, that's actually impressive that he got, that he got that much elevation. Like that was incre- that was insane. If Sean Monahan scores on the Mike Smith chance that he scores against Edmonton, or on that one, and Jacob Markstrom makes a goddamn save, you win at least one of those games, right? So. I, Dude, uh, yeah. Uh, what is going on with Sean Monahan? I don't know. Like he's obviously hurt. We like that's almost all but confirmed now. Like that's what everyone in the media is saying. Yeah. He's obviously hurt. Like, I don't know what it is because he's he's been physical. He's been killing penalties. 
It's obviously not that bad of an injury if he's still playing when he sucks as bad. Yeah, like, I mean, I Versteeg was on the morning show today, and he had some really great things to say. Like, that dude should be on Sportsnet full-time. And he's smart. What about um, Eric Francis? The best he's, thing. There's no way he's as smart as Eric Francis. Stajan Rex Francis. What a what tool. Is, that, what is wrong with this guy? He's ripping Matt Stajan on TV. What is wrong with him? I think he just thinks that in order to be quote unquote cool, you know, you have to try and be like one of the guys and you have to just try and like rip on everybody. Like that's like, yeah, that's like some grade school shit. It's very immature. I mean, listen to all his post game questions. Every single time he asks a question to Daryl Sutter or one of the players, it's about how bad somebody is. Like he just, he just wants, he's begging for it. He is, oh, he just makes him feel so, I don't know what, turned on to hear somebody talk bad about somebody else. He just like, he needs it. Well, so how Darryl, do you like Daryl? Can you please just tell me how bad Matthew Chuck's been tonight? <laughs> Daryl, how bad is Sean Monahan? I gotta know. I just wait, wait, let me have fun. I gotta record this so I can let's do it later. Daryl, please. How bad is your team? It's unbelievable. It like, is unbelievable. Like, and I'm not even exaggerating. You're not. Listen to every single fucking question this guy comes out of this guy's mouth. Well, and then the fact that he has the like the immaturity to like give it to Matt Stage and to be like, oh, Spezza has played more than you. Why did you retire? <laughs> like, what a loser. Like, why doesn't Stajan's gonna kill him one of these days? If he doesn't, like one of those guys is gonna pop him. What a loser. And then how do you like his cornerstones list, eh? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> What a tool. No, I'm not even calling it uh, – I'm not calling it your core piece. It's cornerstones. Like, how, where does he come up with these ideas? It's just insane, dude. I'm telling you, man. The only thing this guy is trying to do is put people down. That is it. I like how Rastus Anderson's not on his cornerstone. I'd like to see this guy run a team. Such a tool. I'd like to see and, him oh, dude. Run, a, run a thing. And while we're just while we're just on the media thing, what the hell was with that question to Dave Riddick the other night? Oh man, that was brutal. Who was that? I believe it was Salim from TSN. Like, I mean, oh, Salim. Okay, he's been okay. He's new, but this guy, Dave Riddick, sitting there after getting smoked by the Leafs, and you know Dave Riddick, he's an emotional guy. Salim has the the I don't want to say audacity, the stupidity. I don't even know what it is. It's numbskullity. Yeah, numbskullity to say, hey, Dave, this might be your last game we ever see you in a Calgary Flames uniform. Were you thinking about that as you were getting crushed by the Leafs? Something to that extent. What are you doing? What kind of question <laughs> is that? What are, these, what are these people thinking? They're just trying to be hardcore, like, Holy shit. Is that what it is? Like if you want to be if you want to try and be hardcore, like gather some actual analysis, some statistics, and use that. Right? Don't don't be like throwing all these fucking hyperboles and haiku. Like it's just like where like who like how do you use that come into your brain? Like 
Yeah, I'm gonna ask Dave Riddick after they just yeah, after he just lost to the Leafs, how he feels about this possibly being the last time he plays as a flame. What watch watch now he gets traded. <laughs> like, why didn't he ask Geo? It's like, hey, Geo, you were on the ice for like 10 scoring chances. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I swear to God, Geo is on the ice for every goal against now. Like literally Dude, every, every goal time. is five and four scrambling in the slot every usually goal. one or both of them are on their knees there was one that goal was, the was other just... night where geo's got his like head in his arms like laying there like he's crying <laughs> i was just gonna say every single goal when you look and see who's it's marked you down for the net on his knees rastus anderson either also on his knees or standing there stunned it's unreal so if people we knew never said this, so we gotta throw it out there. If people were wondering what Stajan said to Francis when Francis was trying to beak Stajan saying that you know Spezza, like Stajan was drafted after Spezza and retired before Spezza, blah blah blah. Spezza is so much better than you. And Stage is like uh, a thousand games there, bud. And then Eric like Eric like laughs like maniacal like dog. <laughs> and the other thing Stajan did that was really great. Dumbass was going off about Gaudreau and Monaghan. Yeah, yeah. What a surprise. Like, again, if and when Gaudreau ever leaves, like, I don't know what this guy's going to talk about. Oh, man. I was right. I was the only person ever who ever thought of it. Ever. He's ripping on it. And Stajan was like, dude, these guys are trying. They've been here for a long time. They love this. They're they're trying. What do you think, you idiot? Well, and and Stajan said... That he knows for a fact these guys like this city. They like yeah. coming here. So stupid. Well, the best thing ever is with you know the whole Pinder thing, right? Well, and it, oh, just, up, for, like, just straight, straight up, are you lying? Is is Dragon Control lying, or do you know something we don't know? Oh, 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 and then oh, it's just like at first it's just like silence. It's just like, huh? What? Well, hypothetical. I know you're being hypothetical here, but no, you're being hypothetical. Every time. The best thing, just because we just had Theo on and I was watching that documentary that was about his book release. And there's this thing where, because we were talking about the Hockey Hall of Fame and how it's bullshit. He's not in the Hall of Fame. There's things, Theo's standing outside the Hall of Fame. (laughs) And he says, "Ah, this reporter in Calgary. Eric Francis. Eric Francis wrote this piece about how I'll never get into the Hall of Fame. That's chicken shit reporting. Chicken shit. He works for the worst newspaper in all of Canada. And now he works for Sportsnet. <laughs> it was awesome. Anyways. Okay. Lions today at practice. So Tanev's out. It seems like it's nothing major. Well, again, like, dude is injury prone. What has he played? Like one, one full season in his NHL career. But I guess it doesn't help when you get fucking bowled over by Pierre-Luc Dubois from behind into the boards and no penalty call. Yeah. So you got Johnny with Lindholm and, and, and Matthew Kachuk. Why is it taking five years? The Flames tweeted and I sent it to you and I didn't even watch the video. But Chucky says, I've never played with Johnny Gaudreau. Fuck. That's like McDavid being like, I never played with Dry Saddle. 
It could be a cool opportunity. Yeah, no shit. Can you imagine if Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid had never played together, not once? What are they doing? <laughs> Why does it take them so long? So what I love about this more than anything, though, what I love about this more than putting Gaudreau with Kachuk is splitting up Gaudreau and Monaghan. 150%. And like, did we not say is Daryl probably not gonna is Daryl probably probably gonna be the guy that has the balls to do it finally? Yeah, we said that. I mean, it took him 15 games. Oh man, I so I, people were stoked as they should be, as they should be. And then look at the rest of the lines. Like, well, and again, yeah, Rich, it's, it's practice, Richie's down. But... Richie's down on the fourth, so you know what. This whole thing with Richie hasn't been a, oh, I think Richie's a top six guy. That's why I say there was probably something more to it. Because now he's where he belongs. Mangiapani centered by Monaghan with Dubé on the other wing is your second line. Love it. And we, we've, seen, we've seen those two lines before for one game. Not even a game. They played a game in Vegas last year. I think Jeff had like literally just taken over. It was after the seven game winning streak. It was like one period of these lines. Remember? Yep. And the Lindholm joke Chuck line looks great. So these lines have a little bit of familiar, like 20 minutes, but still. Lucic with Backland and Nordstrom. To me, that interests me. I mean, the way, hey, look, the way that Nordstrom's been playing. Yeah, exactly. Like, again, I will make no mistake. He has been horseshit this year. He probably shouldn't be on the team. It's been good the last three games. This could be a good line. And then you got Bennett, Ryan, and Richie. The best the fourth line has looked all year. That's a fourth line in the NHL. And probably Lucci can get Bennett can swap or Bennett and Nordstrom can swap, right? If, if one guy's playing better than the other. Again, the biggest thing is splitting up draw him on him in my opinion yeah 100 so the deep pairings in practice with Tanavelt were geo shillington hannafin anderson val Mackey stone nesterov petrovic so does that mean val Mackey's coming back in probably i nesterov. sure hope so nesterov was not looking good last game <laughs> he sucks that's the other thing too that's kind of annoying to me it's like okay i don't mind if you take out one if like put stone or Nestrov in, but not both. Come on. And I want to see Shillington so bad. That's again, this is what I'm talking about, right? Is like everybody's been so hyper focused on the Gaudreau thing. It's like nobody's, I haven't seen many, like there's been a few who are like, okay, Geo and Anderson suck. Fix that too, right? Yeah. Like nobody's talking about that. That's a that's a problem that needs fixing. And I I know you we were kind of hypothesizing about this because everyone's like, oh, well, he's just filling in for Tanev. Well, then why, why Hannafin Anderson? Because if it were me, that's what I would do. I would put Hannafin with Anderson and I would put Gio with one of the young guys. That's what I would do. And then Tanev with one of the other young guys. See what happens. Okay. Last thing, deadline's right around, right around the corner. 
by the time this releases, it'll be what four days, five oh, days, four, Monday. four or five days. So, um, let's real quickly. I don't even think there's much point spending time on this, man. But well, do you know who our GM is? <laughs> Here's what they're gonna do. They're gonna be in on everything and do nothing. And at the last moment, now it looks like the Flames are not doing anything. We'll have Brad Shea living on at 3 p.m. Oh, hi, hey guys. Yeah, we, you know, it was quiet, nothing much out there today, and milk, and I got my soup. And sometimes you go for the Campbell's chunky, and you just don't get it. That's what is going to happen. Cats and dogs. Sometimes your dogs leave, but your cats stay. They're loyal, or maybe it's the other way around. Who even knows anymore? I guess that was Jeff Ward, but you he must have learned that from Brad. I mean, come on. We know nothing's going to happen. We're going to get some fucking haiku metaphor shit about why it didn't happen. So quickly, let's do this. What should they do versus what will they do? They should sell off anything that anybody wants. I mean, I love Derek Ryan, but I mean, sell him off. Anybody who's UFA should be sold for a pick. Nordstrom, Ryan, Richie, Stone, Nestrov, Levo, all these guys. If somebody says, hey, we're going to give you a pick for this guy, get rid of him. I would say, like, if somebody gives you a legit offer for Sam Bennett, take it. Do, do you think this, what you just said, right? You, you know, you mentioned Richie and Stone and Nordstrom. Does this have any anything to do with them getting more race done lately? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they're showcasing them. Who knows? Should they, should they dismantle or should they retool for next year? If you want like deep level thought, they should. If you if you really wanted to fix the big time issues with this team, I mean dismantling is probably the way to go since you're this close to a top pick and could be for the next few years. But I don't like right like is can, there any can I say, can I say I it would be the best thing for the organization if they were to fully commit to a, a complete dismantling, what can I also say that I'm not there yet? Is that, is that too incongruent of a thought? Am I talking well, at both sides of my mouth? Well, my next question was going to be, is it, does it shoot them that much in the foot if they just do it next year, if it doesn't work? Yeah. Right. Like, like if like, like let's say you actually finish in, in the bottom eight, you're getting a pretty good draft pick yeah. this, this year. And you haven't dismantled yet. And if you do it next year, that means you're even worse or you're just as bad. Does it, does it make much of a difference if you, if you like maybe, maybe on, on the other hand, you're probably only these players that you're trying to sell off for major value, yeah. the big names, Johnny, Monty, Geo, Geo, Backland, like Bennett. Well, Bennett's probably gonna be gone. It's expiring contract, but the other, like these guys with the big names, can you probably not up their value if you give it one more kick at the can next season? They're not going to get any worse. Well, exactly. Like now would be the worst time to sell a Monaghan. The other thing is, too, everybody's like, oh, Goudreau's uh, limited no trade clause kicks in um, in July. I, I still think is, Goudreau. Isn't it, isn't it 10 teams, though? Or is it five? It might even be five teams. It's probably 10, but I'll look it up right now. I still think Gaudreau would have a decent amount of value, but I don't – again, I think I would say I'm not ready to blow it up yet. I'll say that. 
maybe that's a stupid opinion, but like maybe I'm turning into Bradshaw living and I'm just way too in love with some of the guys on this team and I need to just get over it. I would still love to see the Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm group. Yeah. Yeah. Like, run at this. Again, how much does it actually hurt you to wait one more year? Because again, like, here's my thing. Like, I know everyone's like, the Flames have always avoided a proper rebuild, and that's why they're in this situation. And I know a lot of people don't believe in the talent that's here, but like, from my perspective, and probably from your perspective too, like, I've watched so much Flames hockey in my life. And like, this window, when you have a guy like Johnny Gaudreau specifically, and now Matthew Chuck. Maybe it's maybe it's way off on my part, but I mean, like, you watch this team do this with Jerome McGinley, right? Like, we had one of the best players in the world, and they did fuck all. And it's like now you have. It's like the Flames are can't succeed you, you <laughs> by, even, by planning. You, you've stumbled into like a window where you have some guys here, right? Like you've tripped and fumbled and stumbled and mismanaged your organization to the point where. All of a sudden you have some actual guys who are good pieces, right? Like all I'm saying is like, you've kind of caught, not that you've caught lightning in a bottle, but you've managed to cobble together some pieces for a team that at least two years ago was one of the best in the league as a flames fan who knows how volatile it is and knows how shitty and crappy they usually are. And middle of the road, they usually are. Having seen that and knowing what some of these guys on this team are capable of, I would just hate to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Lightning in the bottle would be five first overall yeah. draft picks. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. This is like lightning in a bucket or something. But do you know what I'm saying, right? The light bulb in a bucket. <laughs> well, yeah, they did the same thing with Flurry. We just had him on. You asked him. With the amount of skill this guy had, he's he's by all intents and purposes a Hall and fa- Hall of Fame caliber player. Who would they give him to play with? They're the same thing with Jerome, like you said, it's a different situation now. Yet Brad hasn't pulled that that trigger, and now we're paying the price. But my whole thing is like, how much does it actually hurt you if you wait one more season? And could it actually benefit you because you might just increase the stock value on, you know, the handful of players that you might unload on. Yeah, totally. And look, I totally get the rebuilding argument 100%. And I'm probably more in that camp than right. Then I, I do have, I think that would ultimately be the best thing, but I don't want that to happen just yet from a fan's perspective. That's not what I want to see happen. Even if it means long-term success, um, delay it by a year. If you can get a really good draft pick this year, make a few shrewd moves in the off season for once and get once. fucking rolling just once make a just few once. shrewd moves, make a move, Brad tree living where it's like Brad tree living made a really good, smart move. That is a clear win. Don't give me a Dougie Hamilton trade where it's like, we got something back. All things considered. Don't do that shit where it's like, yeah, we turned a hard suit. Like, don't give give me a move that makes your team better now, right now. Holy shit, we're better. We made a trade, and now we're better. Do something like that. Make some shrewd moves. Get a good draft pick this year. Start setting yourself up for the possibility of a rebuild where you could be in that situation with a really nice player from this year's draft. And I know this year's draft is a crapshoot, 
but you can maybe kind of do both in my opinion. You know, what's weird for one of the first times ever. I think what they should do is pretty on par with what I think they will do. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, right? is that what Brad's probably not going to try and do? Yeah. And like, there's no way again, some people seem to think, Oh yeah, Daryl will be on board for a rebuild. Yeah. Right. Stop thinking about Daryl even. Do you know how much heat is on Bradshaw Living's asshole right now? <laughs> it's like he's got a mixture of herpes and hemorrhoids mixed. It's like a her- it's a herproid. He's got These herproids. Owners that's had how, a torch that's how, flame like inches, inches, millimeters from Bradshaw Living's taint. Right on his herproids. That's how hot his asshole is right now. And it's like you better win, or this this torch is going straight up your anus <laughs> so or, or else we're getting uh the red hot chili getting... we're getting red hot chili peppers from boston pizza we're breaking them up we're grounding them in and we're, we're gonna smear it all over your herproids rat you living as we blowtorch it okay that's how that's how much that's how much of a hot cd is on <laughs> not blowing this team up it's not gonna happen if he does i like i don't imagine he's the guy that's going to be employed as the GM of this team next year. Well, and that's the big thing. If you've gone through seven seasons and this is what you have to show for it, you think ownership's going to be like, yeah, this is the guy we want to rebuild our team. <laughs> exactly. So. And if they were already kind of at that place, there's no way they would have been like, let's go get Daryl Sutter. They're going in. They're going and for it. Again, for all the shit that Johnny Gaudreau's got and for all the shit this group has got, I don't think they're, I know they are not this bad. They're probably not, they're not 18, 19 good. They are not this bad. Like, no. there's no way. This team misses guys like TJ Brody. Again, you got to go out in the offseason and make some shrewd moves that don't cripple you, but make your team better. And if you can combine that with getting a, a nice, having a nice draft this year, I think you can kind of, kind of do both and that's what i'm expecting them to do what's going to happen with bennett ryan and riddick those are the three expiring contracts this season well, well outside of the the handful of yeah like just ufa guy pto guys yeah i don't know i think they'd be remiss if somebody calls on Derek ryan the only thing about Derek ryan though is that he makes like all, over three million dollars that's going to be that might be kind of tough because he might have to take money back i mean they could definitely do it but that would be a caveat in that one. If a team's looking to acquire Derek Ryan and is right up against the cap, I'm sure at most every team could do it, but it is a consideration. Um, I would be not surprised at all to see him moved out. Sam Bennett is the interesting one. Cause like you said, like, I don't know what everybody's saying is like, Oh, it's working great. So I don't know. And the expansion draft looming. I'm not sure about Sam Bennett. I hope personally, I hope, they trade him and get something back for him. That's what I hope. I'm, I'm actually don't think he's moving anywhere. Just based on what we've heard from Brad, Bradtree Living and Daryl Sutter today. Because when when Daryl came in, obviously that was a question for Brad. And Brad said, yeah, it could be a match made in heaven. I think they had considered that already. And they wanted to see if there would be one last kick at the can for Sam Bennett. And obviously <laughs> we're seeing that he's not top six player. He's not even a third line player. He's a fourth line player. Yeah. But who knows? I don't know if, 
and here's the thing is like the stock value on these guys are so low that if somebody is interested in Sam Bennett and wants to give you something of value for him, it's only because they're going to take a risk on him that he's going to do something in the playoffs. Yeah, totally. With the season the way it is with COVID, I don't even think that that's a high possibility that there's a team that's just going to acquire Bennett just for the playoffs. I don't know. And then you, you hear what Sam, what uh, Daryl Sutter said today, you know, he was asked about Sam Bennett and um, you know, it, it, what he basically paraphrasing says is that, you know, they've had, a, they met with Sam Bennett right off the hop and made a plan with him for the season to sound like and beyond. So I don't know. I, it just sounds to me like both GM and head coach and player, all three of them are, you know, have basically committed to each other in a sense, but who can, who knows? Right. Yeah, so and kind of I, like, like you that. said, who I, I can't see a lot of teams lining up and be like, we need Sam Bennett for the playoffs. Like, what are you going to give up? A fourth-round pick? I don't know. Yeah, like, especially just given the terrain of how weird the world is right now. It's like, if yeah. you're going to do that, you know, in a, reg- in a regular season, in a regular, you know, situation, I don't know about this year. This yeah. seems weird. And I mean, Riddick, I have no clue. Look, I love Dave Riddick. I love him. I like I- – Everyone knows this. I would have been perfectly 100% okay rolling into this season with David Riddick as your starting net minor. I personally would have. I know a lot of people disagree. I'd be fine with that. But, I mean, right now where the, where you're at, like, okay, well, what's next year look like? Who knows? I mean, there's always goalies available, right? To be, well, and the, thing, and the thing is you do have Markstrom, right, locked down now. So Yeah, so there's always goalies available who maybe you can get – if you can save, you know, like if he signed somewhere for three, four million, you can save and get a guy who's cheaper. Like that's probably going to help you for the amount that he's playing. So, I mean, yeah. if there's a deal on the table, like Washington kind of seems like a decent fit. Yeah, I can see that. For him, I don't know. We'll see. Um. I don't know if a team comes and says, Hey, we'll give you a second round pick third for David Riddick. I would take it as much as I love the guy. Like you give, you sell everything right now. Like even Toronto, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'd be into having another goalie like Riddick. Well, isn't Anderson out for the the rest of the season? Uh, He's out for, he's out for a period of time anyways, I think. So I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. They don't like Hutchinson. So yeah, I could see that maybe. So maybe he goes there. As for Bennett, the one team that does well, there it has been reported Minnesota has interest, I guess, the Wild. I don't know. That works. Sure. The other team that's like maybe is like maybe Brian Burke wants Sam Bennett in Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. So that could work. Derek Ryan. Everybody could use a Derek Ryan. I hope he doesn't go to Edmonton because I would barf. That, yeah, that was the uh, the thing we saw today. If I'm Brad, you're living, man. I'm not doing any deals with Edmonton. Fuck you, Edmonton. Seriously. So I'm not making you any better so you can beat us 8-9. Or sorry, 9-1. 8-1. Fuck you. Seriously. So, I, I don't know. Again, we all know Brad's going to do, like, probably nothing. So, the, the, yeah. the one thing that, like, maybe will blow everybody's mind is he makes a big trade and, like, trades Geo or something. But I don't see that happening. He was even on the fan the other day, and I was like, same old shit. I don't like doing stuff on the deadline, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be quiet. So I don't expect much to happen. Maybe make a few minor deals, but we'll see. 
it's it's really not even that interesting to me to be honest i th- i know everyone seems to be like super obsessed like oh who are we gonna trade the deadline it's like i've been through enough of these to know that like nothing's gonna happen so out of the three who would you be the saddest to see go ryan riddick or bennett well definitely riddick because he's a fan favorite yeah. but it, the the trading it's not even like i'm sad but it's just like what a goddamn waste would be sam bennett because it's like number one he never panned out such a bummer. Where would you be if Sam Bennett had been become what he was going to be a legit number one center for this team? He was drafted one spot behind Leon Dreisaitl. Imagine if Sam Bennett is a quarter or half as productive as Leon Dreisaitl or as impactful, like we're a different team. So in that respect, the end of the Sam Bennett era would sure be a closure on a sad story altogether. But the other thing is too, like you could have traded him prior for way more. So it's not even about Sam and at the person more so like a waste. Yeah. I'm definitely, I love that. I would definitely be so sad to see Riddick go. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what, what's the thing with, with bringing Mark Schumann. I just don't know how, I just don't know how he, I just don't see how he really fits on your team. Well, and would he even want, is this, is this a role he wants? Like, well, Darryl you know, Daryl Sutter's going to play D- Jacob Markstrom way more than he's playing the backup. You know that he wants to stay on this team. Yeah, I do for sure. But he probably right. also wants to be number one, doesn't he? Well, I don't know. Does he? What does he sign here if you don't trade him? I think he would, but how much is he going to ask for? Yeah, that's the question. Like he would definitely sign here. And I mean, you could trade him and sign him again. There's always that option. That doesn't happen very often in the NHL, but. Yeah, well, you'd be back on the market. Honestly, I would be a little surprised to see to see Riddick move. But I guess goalies, like in the in COVID era, I don't know. You never know what could happen. Having a plan B could be a really good option. So, I don't mean I hope as as much as I want him to get assets back, I'd be bummed to see Riddick go. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. We're all a little crazy is brought to you by the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the Same Here Alliance, Theo Fleury. This is 20-year professional sports executive, mental health advocate, and founder of the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement, Eric Cusin. This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance. We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way. Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone, even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries. 
The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained. Yeah, it needs real, long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways. This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time. No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will. Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience.